Um, but you know, with today's classes, discover the power of good enough parenting. So really, it's just a taster. Um, I thought for fun, I would show you this. This is a picture from our wedding back in 1987. And lo and behold, 30 years later, Sonia married a British guy too. But instead of having the wedding in London, we had it in Singapore. Amen. <laughs> um, and that's Malcolm in the background, although you can't see him. Um, but then a year and a half, two years later, our son David married a Texan. Oh my. So yeah, we just uh, happen to have a global family now. We can't, we can't stay in one place. And <clears throat> look at that. That was taken at Marwell Zoo just a few weeks ago. And <clears throat> we've got three grandchildren now. TJ's holding the youngest. Little Esme, that's Henry. And Oliver is in the yellow cap. That's Sonia and TJ's oldest, who's two. So yeah, so life is good. We're very excited. We have uh, just recently retired from leading in the sea region. And now we're self-supporting and uh, having a blast figuring out our next chapter. We have so much to do. We're not worried about not having anything to do. But the question is, what is the power of good enough parenting? And I would say that it's right here because it's taken straight from the Bible. And so now John is going to come and talk to you about Ephesians 6. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, do you know that in the entire New Testament, there are only two directives on parenting? Now, when I first realized that, I had a bit of a, I had to struggle because <laughs> we all know how challenging parenting is. And yet in the entire New Testament, there's just two one in Ephesians 6.4, and the other one is in Colossians, which is effectively, you know, a parallel passage. So, essentially, we have only these two passages to rely on. Well, that made me realize that perhaps God wants us to really understand this scripture properly in order to be effective as parents. And so over the last few years, I have divulged into this scripture. My two thirds of my PhD was actually based on this scripture. And, uh, and I invented a scale to measure exasperation and also to measure nurturance. But let's study this out. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, the first part of the verse says, exasperate. Second part says, bring them up, which in the NIV, Okay, they translated the word nurture in Greek into bring up or bring them up. And that doesn't quite do justice because people don't quite get the, the second part of the verse that actually talks about the need to nurture. So the Greek word for nurture is ektephro. The Greek word for exasperate is paragitso. 
So basically, God is saying, do not exasperate, paragitso your kids, if I may say it that way, but nurture them. Now, the problem is this. What exactly is exasperation? And if you were to ask a lot of parents, you it's very common to get all kinds of answers. Most of us would agree, at least, it includes okay, not abusing our kids physically. I think almost all reasonable parents will agree to that. But exasperation is a lot more than just that. Because it, 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 the whole idea of exasperation is to not provoke your kids to anger and not frustrate them in an unhealthy manner. Now, sometimes they will feel frustrated and exasperated. For example, if they want an ice cream, you don't give them, they're going to get stressed out. So don't take the scripture to that extreme and say, oh gosh, I shouldn't exasperate. That means I'll give them whatever they want. No, there is what we call uh, healthy stress and toxic stress. Healthy stress is what we experience every day. We want something, we don't get it. Kids want something, they don't get it. They want to play, but it's time to go to bed. Those kind of stressors, it's normal and is actually healthy. But research has shown that it is toxic stress that causes their well-being to go down. So when the Bible says do not exasperate, it's talking here about the unhealthy stress that we induce in children. The other side is talking about nurturance. So in order to help parents understand this properly, I've developed a scale to measure exasperation and to measure nurturance. Okay, so, but before we go into that, let's look at the other different translations. And some of them actually use the word nurture. Okay, like in the ASV, it says, and ye fathers promote not your children to wrath, but nurture them. Or in some versions, it says nourish them. So the whole point is that we need to not exasperate, but we need to nurture. That is what this Bible is, this command is saying. Now, parents, the sad thing is a lot of, uh, sorry, let me go on here. So this is the Greek word ektephro, okay? And it, it, it means to nourish, to bring up to maturity. And this is the second part of the, of the verse. So the whole point here is do not exasperate and nurture. Now, why do we need to do that? Because by nurturing, Science has shown today that you actually do something for the children, and that is you meet their core emotional needs. But these needs are invisible. You can't detect them. But they have these invisible needs. And so by nurturing them, you do them, you, you, you help them to get healthy. So they get nurtured because these needs are met. Conversely, if you exasperate them, guess what happens? Their needs, these core emotional needs are not met. So here are, the on the left side, the four core emotional needs. Okay? And on the right side are 
their counterparts. In other words, these are experiences that they go through when they are exasperated. So in other words, on the left is what they experience when you nurture. On the right is what they experience when you exasperate. So this is, I'm just bringing all the research down into a very simple form. So when I understood this to a, to a fuller extent, it made me appreciate Ephesians 6.4. No wonder God wants us to just focus on one basic principle. That is, do not exasperate and nurture. And if parents can just understand that, you're going to go a long way in what? Meeting these core emotional needs. And then the kids, our kids, are going to be are set, set up to be healthy. Okay? Now, science and my research has taken me further. And um, I was able to associate each core emotional needs with positive schemas that develop in our brains. So this is just science researching. And you know, science will only prove that the Bible is true. That is my take on it. So when I embarked on this research, that was my hypothesis. I said to myself, I bet you nurturing or nurturing interactions between parent and child will cause the core emotion needs to be met. And these in turn will cause them to develop positive schemas. And sure enough, that was what we found. Conversely, when you exasperate, guess what happens? They experience these emotions, these experiences on the, on the left, and they in turn are associated with negative schemas on the right. Okay, so science is, is wonderful because you get deeper and you get to see what happens when you obey God. So this is not really a parenting program on psychology. This is a parenting program that is built on Ephesians 6.4. It's just that we use science to uncover what happens when you exasperate. And that is the four motion not met and negative schemas develop. And what happens when you nurture, which is the core emotion gets met and positive schemas get developed. So here's another way to look at it, right? This makes it very simple. So on the left, Bible commands us to what? Nurture so that second step, core emotion needs are met. And third step, positive schemas develop. Conversely, if you exasperate, as the Bible tells us to not do, then science is revealed that core emotions are not met and negative schemas develop. Now, the Bible only tells us to follow the first step. Isn't that interesting? Don't exasperate, but nurture. Why? Because these happen by default. These are automatic. You don't have to even worry about it. So even if you know nothing about these, guess what? By just nurturing and not exasperation, the needs will get met. That's why it's so important, parents, to know exactly how to not exasperate your kids and to know exactly how to nurture them. Okay? So let me show you right now a movie scene uh, where there is no physical abuse, 
But I want you to see the exasperation that is taking place in the son. Now, this is a move, a scene about a father that's supposed to take a son to watch a baseball game on his birthday, right? A nice thing to do for a son's birthday. But look how the father interacts with the son, all right? And then we'll analyze this together. <laughs> Stop and do some business. Here, sit down. Hey, you usher, come here. Can I talk to you a second? Sir. Gil, this is Stan. He's going to watch you for a while. I have some friends I meet. I'll meet you right here, huh? For the ninth inning. Have fun, kid. So, Gilly, big baseball fan? Kinda. Yeah? Dad bring you here a lot? Once a year on my birthday, then he pays an usher to watch me. Oh, I see. Look, you have to understand, my father, in his own childhood, was without a positive male influence. Huh? His own father kicked him out when he was 15. So my dad was taught to see child raising as a job, a burden, a prison, rather than a playground. You understand what I'm saying? You don't talk like a kid. Yeah, well, I'm not really a kid. You're not a duck. This is a memory of when I was a kid. I'm 35 now. I have kids of my own. You don't really even exist. You're an amalgam. A what? combination of several ushers my dad left me with over the years. I've combined them into one memory. Why? This was a great symbolic moment in my life. My father dumping me with you. It's why I swore things would be different with my kids. That's my dream. Strong, happy, confident kids. That's great. That's great. You know, you, you got a lovely family and... Gil? Who's that? That's my wife. Nice. Gil? Yeah? The game's over, honey. The St. Louis card wish to thank you for attending today's game. Please drive home safely and sober. Let's go. All right, do you see that? There wasn't anything physical, all right? The father didn't even uh, belittle him. But what did the father do? Neglected him. There was no connection between the son and the father. Now, notice how the son felt being dumped. That is exasperation. Because you're inducing what experts call today,
toxic stress, the kind of stress that will cause harm, that will reduce their well-being. So when parents actually do stuff like that, kids get exasperated. Now, guess what? Most mistakes in family are not made deliberately, but subtle and unintentional. And this is where in the church, a lot of parents make mistakes because their mistakes are, are outside their awareness. It's very subtle and it's unintentional because almost all parents have good intentions. They love their kids, but they have no clue about how they're exasperating their kids subtly and unintentionally. And yes, they stay away from overt abuse, which we all know is wrong. And there are laws against that in this country, thankfully. But what about the subtle ones? And the subtle ones are just as damaging. And if it is repeated as part of a lifestyle, then there you go, you are exasperating your kids. Now, an occasional mistake will have uh, will have a will have very little harm, except if it was sexual or if it was except if it involves sexual uh, abuse or violence. But all other types of parent-child interactions, they will cause harm if it is a lifestyle. So you look at the the, the scene we just saw. Was that a one-time thing, or do you think it was more like a lifestyle? So you can tell, right, from the way the father is, it was more like a lifestyle. He just didn't enjoy being a father. There were other things that, that, that were of greater priority. He'd rather hang out with his friends, get his business done. And let me ask you this, how many fathers are like that? When they come home, there's very little interactions. How many of us grew up not being close to our father? And then we get exasperated over time because it is part of a lifestyle. And then guess what? Toxic stress is induced. We don't do well. We develop negative schemas. Okay, so in good enough parenting, we help parents to not be ignorant. And we train them because ignorance and lack of training is the number one reason why parents do not know in a more complete way how to not exasperate and how to instead nurture the kids. So what happens when they uh, go against Ephesians 6.4? In other words, when they do exasperate and they don't nurture, well, schemas develop. What are schemas? Here we go. This is a pictorial example. Look at this woman right? She looks great on the outside, but when she looks at the mirror, and if she's really honest with herself, she doesn't see herself as being healthy. She sees a flawed self, a self that is really distorted, a self that is ugly, unappealing, that is hugely defective. Now, how did she develop this kind of an unhealthy view of herself. This is what we call a schema. How did she develop this unhealthy negative schema? Well, guess what? In her brain, there were 
hundreds of images and messages from the father to her, to the effect, you'll never be as good as your sister. Said directly, said indirectly. Said overtly, said covertly. And because it was part of a lifestyle, guess what that did? That exasperated her. And science has simply revealed that that kind of a toxic stress will cause us to not have a healthy view of herself. And as far as schema therapy, from the vantage point of schema therapy, they develop what we call a defectiveness schema. So there you go. That's why today there are a lot of pretty girls who don't think they're pretty, correct? Everyone says, you're pretty, but you in your heart say, no, I'm not. There are a lot of guys who are intelligent, but don't think they're intelligent, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, conversely, there are guys who are not handsome, but who think they're handsome. Isn't that also a problem? <laughs> exactly. Well, look at this bloke. He looks at the mirror and he thinks he's a prince. Okay, he thinks he's special. And that rules do not apply to him. He's above the law. Well, guess what? He also is driven by the negative schema of entitlement. How does one develop that? Well, our best guess, based on even clinical and research, is that this boy growing up has heard to the effect from the mother, you are the most special boy in the world. Not you are special to me. And that's fine to say. And that's, that's a nurturing way to say it. But you are more special. You are better than others. Said subtly. Okay. Said directly. Said overtly. Covertly. And it became part of the lifestyle. And then he developed the schema of entitlement. And schema of entitlement can also develop when you imitate. So this boy may have also seen entitlement in her mother and father. And so they grow up having this negative schema. You see what I'm saying? How damaging this is. So this is what happens when you exasperate kids. Now, you may say, well, I don't think that this boy feels exasperated when he is told he's the most special. Well, when you grow up feeling like you're not guided properly and yet you don't have to follow rules, trust me, at some point you will know that's missing and you will feel exasperated. So the Bible is correct. Follow God's word. Do not exasperate. So when you develop schemas, your view of yourself and others are out of shape, out of scale, and it's distorted. But when you're driven with positive schemas, in other words, you've experienced a lot of nurturance growing up, as the Bible so commands, guess, guess what happens? You see yourself for who you are. So look at that lady just now. She saw a distorted self, remember, in the previous scenario. Well, now, I assume she went for therapy and she attended a healthy church. All right. So after some years, guess what? You can actually repair and weaken your negative schemas and strengthen your positive schemas, then you see yourself for who you are. 
your own strengths and your own weaknesses. And the same thing can happen to people driven by entitlement. So the good news is this, we can change our schemas. That's the good news. But the bad news is this parents, prevention is better than cure. Okay, so it's better to raise your kids right because to get our schemas corrected is not easy. You don't just attend a course to get it corrected or one class. You have to undergo a lot of therapy depending on the severity of your schemas. If your schemas are very severe, then guess what? The longer you'll be in therapy. And it's also very, very expensive. And you will also prevent all the heartaches that will cause that will be caused along the way. So let's go back to Ephesians 6.4. Okay. We need to not exasperate. So in my research, we came up with 10 exasperation interactions. We call this 10. And these are parent-child interactions that were drawn from samples in the East and also in the West. And I've published peer-reviewed journals on them. And if you want to read those journals, feel free to write to me. But there are 10 of them. Now, you don't have to memorize all 10, although it'd be good for you to uh, put like a fridge magnet, all right? And put it on the fridge. Don't put it in the fridge, but kind of <laughs> put it on the fridge and just remind yourself, okay, I got to avoid this. And most of us will be guilty of at least two or three but that's enough to cause exasperation. And now my wife will take it. All right. So we're going to go through a few of what we call the EIs, exasperation interactions, and the NIs, the nurturing interactions. Obviously, in a little teaser kind of class, taster class like this one is, we don't have time to you know, show you all of these. Um, but... We have good news because if you want to order our book, you can do a group order through Siobhan. She's already given me permission to let you know that. So feel free. You can get all this information and much more if you get the book. Not that I'm trying to, you know, self-promote. I'm just saying if you want more notes, you can have the book. Um, okay. So a lot of people think, well, I don't, you know, I do, I do exasperate my kids, but I also nurture them some. But here's what happens. If you have a little bit of nurturance and a lot of exasperation, even though you want to meet the core emotional needs, sadly, the needs will not get met and the kids will experience that. All those, uh, you know, the things that happen when the core needs are not met, right? And so we don't want that to happen. Also, if you say, well, I do a lot of exasperation, but I also do a lot of nurturing. Sadly, the core needs will not get met, uh, you know, just from research, we know that. Some people say, well, I don't do that much exasperation, but I also don't do that much nurturing. Mm-hmm, okay, guess what? Same thing. The only way you're gonna get the core emotional needs met <coughs> is when you minimize your EIs and maximize the NIs, and that takes practice. So that's why it's important to learn about these and we're just, like I said, we're gonna go through just a few as an example. Degradation and rejection, for example. Uh, if your parents put you down or called you names or made you feel ashamed of yourself or 
treated you like you couldn't really help the family or you were dumb or called you, you know, said you were stupid or whatever, or that you lacked common sense. Here's a cartoon. Here's an example. We, we try to put cartoons in our books and in our workshops to help people see it more. So for instance, here's a dad who is, you know, having dinner with his family and he says, hey, I see some bees in your report card. What's wrong with you? You know, what a way to have dinner with your kids if you're trying to be nurturing, right? So the daughter says, um, I don't know. The dad says, don't you know how lucky you are? Not many people have what you have. Mm, that was really helpful, right? So anyway, she's still sad. And then he starts lecturing. You should be a lot further along at this point in your life. In fact, I just read a short story on the life of Abraham Lincoln. Do you know that when he was your age, he studied by candlelight? Now, this dad probably loves his daughter a lot and just wants to help motivate her. But, you know, it's kind of counterproductive at this point. And his wife is a bit cheeky. She says, mm, yeah, I read that article, too. And when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he became the president of the United States. Ha ha ha. Oh, well, probably shouldn't say that either, but it's quite funny. Um, but what's the effect on the little girl, on the teenager? She says, wow, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough. I can't wait to go and check my Facebook. The reason we said Facebook, by the way, is because this was supposed to take place a long time ago, since we have another one that shows what will happen to her when she becomes an adult. Otherwise, we would have said TikTok. Ha ha ha. Okay. Research reveals a study done in Harvard Medical School and McLean Hospital highlighted that demeaning or belittling words contribute more to children's dysfunction than harsh physical punishment. And we're all against harsh physical punishment, but now we know those demeaning or belittling words contribute even more. Now we have many other uh, NIEI, sorry, EIs to talk about. We have uh, competitiveness and status seeking, being over controlling. All of these are very damaging. And I'm not going to be able to go through <clears throat> all of these. Uh, punitiveness, always feeling, the kid always feeling like they have to get punished because the parents are like hyper on punishing. Emotional inhibition and deprivation. When parents are not close to their children, the kids don't feel nurtured. Now I'm going to highlight this overprotection and overindulgence because this one produces two different kinds of schemas. So first of all, overprotection. So this is set, this part is set in Singapore. So a, a kid comes home and he goes, hey mom, may I go to my classmate's birthday party this Saturday? It's gonna be at McBurger's. And she goes, no Shin, there might be teenage gangsters about. And he's like, oh please, dad can drop me and pick me up. But the mom is like really worried. Well, what if he's late or forgets? Or what if you get attacked while waiting? Now, just so you know, Singapore is probably the safest country besides maybe Japan in the world. So if she's worried about this in Singapore, forget it. So the poor guy, he goes, oh, guess I'm never going to go out with my friends. And then he goes in his room kind of sulking and looking out the window. And what does his mom say? Shen, close the window. You could get dengue fever from the mosquitoes. They're as bad as the gangsters. He's like, wow, if I'm out, gangs will get me. 
if I'm home, mosquitoes will get me. <laughs> that's obviously a little bit to the extreme, but that's what it looks like when parents exasperate by being overprotective. Now, guess what? The equal and you know the separate but equal side of that is when parents are overindulgent. So here's what you know. Here's a scene um, again set a few you know 20 years ago about overindulgence. So a little boy and his dad have gone to a toy store, and the dad wants to leave, and he's in the checkout line, the queue to pay, and the little boy suddenly starts screaming. I want this toy too now. I want it now. And the dad says, Arturo, just be calm. It will be over soon. Then the son looks up and he goes, I can't reach the candy, daddy. Get it for me now. And the dad says, Arturo, you can do this. Don't be frustrated. Then they see the Pac-Man machine and the little boy says, I won't walk with you unless you let me play with Pac-Man first. And the dad says, Arturo, this will be over in five minutes. Now, a fellow shopper who had been in the queue with them said, wow, your son Arturo is a lucky boy. I was impressed with how patient you were with him. And then the dad says, <clears throat> actually, I'm Arturo. He's Javier. <laughs> so the dad was doing positive self-talk therapy on himself, <laughs> but he was giving his son no limits <clears throat> that was overindulgent and we know what can happen if you do that you know when you become an adult you have an inability to hear no from others inability to delay gratification experience life as a victim and you might end up in politics amen um here's what arturo uh what javier looked like as an adult he gets married and his wife says Sweetheart, I saw a no parking sign. I don't think we can park there. And he's like, eh, who cares? I pay my taxes. They walk into a restaurant, break in front of the queue, and he demands, I want a table for two. The, the maitre d' says, do you have a reservation? And he's like, huh, how dare you try to deny me a table? And he's like, sorry, if you didn't make a reservation, you'll have to take a number. And then he goes, do you know who I am? The wife, of course, is totally embarrassed. Then the maitre d' in a cheeky way turns to the other uh, people in the queue and says, excuse me, does anyone know who this man is? <laughs> he doesn't seem to know. And they're like, who is the guy? Should we know him? You know, that's the danger of having, of having the EI of overindulgence. Now there's many others there's a un, being un, non, unresponsible or irresponsible. There's neglect. There's social exclusion. And the number 10 is intrus, intrusiveness and exploitation, which has to do mostly with sexual abuse. You know, there's some great proverbs that talk about how we shouldn't exasperate anyone. But of course, especially when it comes to our kids, we don't want to exasperate them. But the absence of exasperation is not the same as the presence of nurturing. Just like we saw in the earlier slide, we've got to make sure we're practicing the healthy, not just the, e, you know, avoiding EIs, but making sure we practice the NIs so that the core emotional needs are met and our kids develop some healthy, positive schemas. So we're, we want to have some time for Q&A as we were asked to do. 
So what we're going to do is just going to show one scene, a movie scene, that kind of sums up all of these NIs, autonomy support and autonomy granting, emotional nurturance and unconditional love, playfulness and emotional openness, intrinsic worth, dependability, and confidence and competence. So give me one second. I'm going to set up this movie scene, and then you'll be able to watch this, and we'll close out for Q&A. So I have to just do this really quickly. I've got one scene here that'll be fun. It's from the movie called The Prize Winner of Defiance, Ohio. Oops, here we go. It is a yes, game honey? of kings and queens. It teaches discipline and mentors. Sorry, I've got to take off this other one. There were two movies that started at once, so we cannot have that in the background. Let's see if this will work. It is a game of kings nope. and queens. Okay. Um, well, I guess I won't be able to show you that after all. Um, should I show the two from Cotway that are short about the autonomy? No? All right. We have a we have a great movie to show you, but we since we don't have time today, I want you to try to watch it if you can. It's called The Queen of Cotway. And not only is it a fun and inspiring movie, but you'll learn about autonomy because the mom switches gears. So now I'm going to hand it back to John. He's going to close it out and then we'll then we'll have some Q&A. Okay. So we're back to where we began, Ephesians 6.4. Fathers do not exasperate, but nurture them. So I want to just encourage all Christian parents, especially, that you broaden your understanding of exasperation and nurturance. And the problem we see in all four corners of the earth, in so many churches, is that parents are unaware on how they exasperate their children, and they're unaware on how to nurture them more effectively. And so what happens when you don't follow this scripture? Well, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Then children will grow up with a lot of toxic stress. They'll have a lot of negative schemas. Conversely, if they're nurtured, they'll have a lot of positive schemas. Now, the problem is this. You don't have to know anything about schemas. Schemas and core emotion needs are simply, uh, you know, cutting-edge research that we've got from, uh, from our work and also clinically, okay? Thousands of, of uh, therapists, when they treat their clients, we, we, we put all of our findings together, and that's what we're able to, to come up with. That's our best explanation of what happens when children uh, experience toxic stress or what we call here exasperation. So, you, but you don't have to know any of that. But you have to know how to not exasperate. And you have to know how to nurture it because that is a command from Ephesians 6.4. Now, the sad thing is, another problem we see in a lot of churches is that parents tend to follow that scripture in Proverbs more than Ephesians 6.4. The one in Proverbs which says, uh, spare the rod and spoil your child. So a lot of parenting philosophy tends to be centered on that. So parents actually, they do a lot of abuse 
Many parents, in the name of spanking, they abuse their kids and they do not even have proper reconciliation. And they think they're doing that and they're trusting God because they're not sparing the rod, as it were. And that, to me, is a huge disservice done to your kids. Bear in mind, on top of that, okay, that if you have to follow, if you had to put more weight, uh, you have to decide where to put more weight, Ephesians 6.4 problems. I suggest you put more weight on Ephesians 6.4. First of all, it is in the New Testament. Secondly, it's a command. The scriptures in Proverbs are not commands. They are wise sayings. And yes, discipline must be enforced. I believe in that. In fact, one of the core emotion needs we have is reasonable limits. But unfortunately, parents do not even know how to introduce limits into their kids. They cross the line, a lot of them, and they exasperate, abuse them verbally or abuse them physically. And then what happens? They grow up experiencing a lot of toxic stress. Okay? So it's right now um, 10.45, and uh, as planned, we will now open up for a time of Q&A.